Welcome to the podcast Slavery Unraveled. Conversations about being modern slavery free by Be Slavery Free, a charity working together to prevent, disrupt and abolish modern slavery globally. And welcome to Slavery Unraveled. I'm Fuzz Kiddo, the co-director of Be Slavery Free. And what we're doing in these podcasts is trying to help you to understand something of the nature of slavery, why it happens, where it happens, and what happens because of slavery. It is so important for us to become aware and for it to come into our consciousness uh, so that when we go to buy goods, when we go to uh, deal and and work with companies, uh, maybe our work situation, maybe our leisure situation or the communities we're involved in, we have a way of talking about slavery and a way of understanding it and a way to share also what we've learnt with other people as well. When we're having a cup of coffee or tea together, when we're having a meal together, when we gather as family, and when we gather for the great celebrations with others and it comes to that point of actually starting to get into that deeper conversation be able to know how to talk about it to have information to share with others becomes a key part of how we're going to raise the awareness and do something that leads to actions and uh, that's why in these podcasts we always finish off with something that you can do about this it is not just about hearing about it it is also doing Doing something about it. Matt Friedman, who uh, one of our good friends and partners, who heads up the Mekong Club, uh, says that there's a point that we have got to bring people to, which not just uh, tells them stories, become uh, where they become aware of it, but it comes to that point where they go, I've got to do something about this. It hits them. It is an aha moment. And that's what we're trying to do during these podcasts is to help give you some of these aha moments where you believe that you need to take action, where you really want to take action. And when you do take action, it gives you incredible meaning and uh, incredible depth of well-being because you're doing something about uh, the life of another human being to make it better. And so tonight we're going to be, uh, or today we're going to be listening to uh, a story. Uh, it's a story that Matt Blomberg picked up and uh, did in his research when he was uh, developing stories. He's a, uh, a journalist. He's been based in, uh, in Southeast Asia now for over 12, 13 years. And he has come to understand uh, what it's about. And, and if you've listened to some of the previous podcasts, you'll hear uh, in the interview I did with him uh, how uh, he came to understand that uh, I've got to do something about this. It suddenly had that he had that aha moment where he actually then believed that uh, he was going to change from a sports journalist uh, into a journalist and he went on to work with Reuters uh, in uh, a project they had where they had about 34 journalists around the world reporting on slavery and what was happening on the ground in countries and in different regions. So people get caught so often as you uh, would have heard me say if you've been listening to previous podcasts that's so often about poverty. But it's not just about the lack of money, it's often why they have a lack of money. And then that vulnerability is played upon for the gain of another. And that's a part of the definition of slavery, is that 
people are caught in a situation, they are either coerced or they are tricked uh, or they are played upon, their vulnerability is played upon and uh, they get trapped and they can't get out of it. Their identity papers are taken away. They are not just tied up or physically restrained. Most times they are emotionally restrained and that comes out in the story that we're going to be hearing today as well. And um, the the form of slavery here is uh, what what is known as um, debt bondage. Debt bondage happens, uh, as you'll hear in the story, because uh, something happens, a disaster happens, a situation happens where they've got to get money and uh, then uh, they have struggles to pay it back. So often uh, in developing countries, in the global south, uh, in poorer countries or poorer communities in countries, it's, uh, it's around the health issue. And sometimes in the West, some of us may take for granted that we can go see a doctor, we can get support in getting medications, but that's certainly not the case in a lot of uh, a lot of countries and a lot of communities. And that's the setting that we are going to hear about in the story today. But it's also something that's important to know that um, people uh, fall into this because uh, they have a family member. They have uh, a parent or a child. It might be someone that is in their extended family. uh, And sometimes uh, a whole household or extended family has got to go into debt to pay off the the, um, medications or to pay off the treatment that that member has uh, got to engage in because of their health issues. So in the story, uh, I hope you're going to hear this and it uh, comes from um, a real situation uh, in uh, with a real person and uh, uh, you'll hear about it as it comes to this story and uh, it's uh, read by one of our good friends and uh, former colleagues and uh, Mitch uh, produced this for us just before he went on to his new position have a listen to this As a child, Sayana never knew much other than stacking bricks. No school, no holidays, no cartoons, and rarely a ball, a toy, or a teddy, or much time to play with them. When she was eight, she moved with her older sister and parents to the brickyard, where they lived alongside about a dozen other families in a row of shacks made up from scrap timber and tin, all of them working to pay off debts owed to the brickyard's owner. They referred to him as uncle, He had come to them as a saviour. Before the brickyard, Sayana had spent her days caring for her elderly grandfather on the family's small farm, where they grew enough rice, fruit, vegetables, ducks and chickens to feed themselves and some bits to sell from their roadside grocery store. They lived relatively comfortably until Grandpa fell sick. Years of medical bills drove the family into spiralling debt. With loan sharks at their door, they were forced to sell their home. Then, with nowhere to go and still multiple outstanding debts, they turned to the brickyard owner, who bought out their debts and gave them a place to live, work and repay him, one brick at a time. At that moment, we owed him about $800. With four sets of hands to do the work, we figured we would be in the clear within a year, Sayana says. We couldn't see clearly at that time. We were so wrong. 
The Brickyard boss was mostly jovial with those working under him, playing the role of a benevolent patron. But he was also a police officer and a domineering character, and in his Brickyard, he made the rules. Work began at 5am and continued until dark, stopping only for an hour's rest around midday. Visitors were not allowed on site and residents were rarely allowed out, with children left as collateral during important religious ceremonies or funerals. Families who failed to meet targets had their pay cut. Safety standards and protective equipment were non-existent, and illness and injury were treated by a doctor brought on site by the boss. The atmosphere is dark and draining, almost hellish due to heat generated by the fires burning under stacks of bricks inside the giant handmade kilns. The air is charred, dry and dense with dust, kicked up from the ashen floors. Lungs heave. Sanitation is poor and so is nutrition, with families cutting down meals and eating low-quality food to pay off debts quicker. Getting sick, it soon became clear, would become a defining feature of life in the brickyard and a vital tool in keeping families trapped there, with exorbitant treatment costs, rent and utilities fees added to debts which were a constantly moving figure controlled arbitrarily by the boss. Most months, debts would grow rather than decrease. In fact, the whole system was designed to drive them deeper into debt, binding them further to life in the brickyard. We were trapped, Sayana says. We thought he was our angel, but he, in reality, he was worse than the devil. It was impossible to make enough bricks to clear the debt. Fourteen years after her parents first turned to the brick kiln boss, Sayana still works for him. The magic number is almost double the original $800 he paid to consolidate their debts. Now Sayana is a young mother, married to a man who had grown up alongside her in the brickyard, and she's counting down the days until her own son, now three, is old enough to stack bricks. It's not what I want for my children, but it's our only hope, she says. After so many years in here, I'm not sure how we could live in the outside world. Be Slavery Free is an Australian charity and supported by individuals just like you. We invite you to join the movement to end modern slavery by making a donation to Be Slavery Free. Make your tax-deductible donation at our website, beslaveryfree.com slash donate. Now back to the podcast. So Anna's story is a sad one, and a real one for so many people. And uh, one of the things that uh, we see through these stories is uh, a consistency that happens, which is common in a lot of stories. Uh, they had a health problem, and uh, the grandfather needed uh, medication uh, after the medical procedures, and that drained the resources of the uh, the family. Uh, so they had to sell up the farm, and the the reasonably comfortable income and life that they had to go into debt and uh, a person paid off their debt and basically bought them into labour. 
and uh, till they until they could pay it off. This is called debt bondage, as I said before. And what debt bondage does is it traps people in there. What they often don't know is that. Uh, um, that they are not actually paying it off. They, in fact, don't understand much about interest, and the interest keeps on going. And so Anna's story uh, is typical in a lot of ways as well because it is actually about finding uh, themselves in a system where the 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 um, the money they owe doesn't decrease. It actually increases because the little they're given, and then again, uh, they're eating uh, less to try and live as simply as possible to pay the debt off but it doesn't make any difference it is something which uh, um, uh, compounds the whole situation to the point of making a real difference to their ability to pay it off and to get into some sort of freedom out of uh, that Um, uh, her son she thinks is going to be following her and the other thing which came through in Sayana's story is that she is not sure that she can actually live on the outside anymore. People get trapped, not only physically, not only um, uh, bonded because of the debt that they uh, are paying off, but also psychologically they get to think that this is reality and their life, uh, and particularly when it becomes intergenerational, uh, generation after generation, uh, that's all the life that they know. And that's the difficulty in trying to work out how it is they learn to live after that as well. In many ways, people who are uh, trapped in in situations of debt bondage find themselves uh, um, uh, unable to to find a, a way forward or to find a way out. And one of the things that we are finding when it comes to the worker voice platform, uh, Million Makers, we're developing, it means that we can actually reach into situations where people have often found themselves in debt bondage because they've paid a labour agent the money to actually get a job in another country to be able to send back to their family and uh, to help them. But again, they don't understand the, uh, the, the amount of interest that's being paid. And so it goes on and on and on. They find themselves trapped. It's only when we get in to find these stories and find uh, what's happening there and to find a way of being able to rectify and to uh, restore them into uh, uh, something which has justice within it. I've just come back from um, spending uh, three days in Geneva with the um, the United Nations Global Compact uh, Forum on Business and Human Rights and so many of the stories that are coming through in the social area around the area of slavery has to do with people moving from one um, home that they've had into another one. It's not always the case. Sienna story, it was more local that they, uh, they were moved into the brick kiln. But a lot of people have to move out of their region and they move and leave, lose contact with family, with friends, with communities. And, uh, or it is that they go to another country to try again to get money to send back home so that the family may survive and can uh, find a way of actually coping with either climate change effects or sometimes out of uh, the distress of a conflict or uh, in uh, a way of trying to find a way out of the poverty cycle that people find themselves in. People that do that 
uh, are not dumb. People often say, well, how do they get caught in these situations? You know, shouldn't they know better? Well, often they don't know better. And again, it's often that they are tricked. In fact, most times they are tricked. Sometimes they are coerced. But it is being deceived, which is a part of the nature of, uh, of slavery. No one decides that they're going to go into slavery. Yes, this sounds like a good idea. Uh, it's that they are deceived and tricked into being uh, bonded um, by the debt or by paying off uh, a, a situation of health, etc., which, of course, caused the, the, the debt in the first place. So uh, this is a way of starting to understand something of what happens in slavery in this dimension and through this story of Santa uh, of um, debt bondage, that form of slavery. What is it can, you can do about it? Uh, get informed and start to tell people about these stories. Start to tell people about the sorts of slavery, the different sorts that there are. And um, you can uh, check with uh, um, the companies that you might be buying, say bricks or more particularly um, tiles or more particularly slate tiles that come out of a quarry and ask the company do you know if there is any slavery in the supply chain it might well be that they'll quickly say no no of course not we're a good company but they don't know their supply chain uh, it's opaque they might just know the uh, the people that they are buying it off either the warehouse uh, in country or uh, the company that they're buying from if it's coming in from India or if it's coming in from uh, other countries where we are importing a whole lot of building products for instance and so one of the things is to start to ask the companies to check and to uh, say if, if they say you know well no, no there's no there's no um, slavery to say can you verify that have you checked can you please show me what you have done to check your supply chain to make sure it is not there each of us have actions that we can take and particularly those of you who are consumers check out ask companies if they know their supply chain and if they've checked right down through not just to their suppliers but down to tier 4 tier 5 tier 6 to know what's happening there because often that's where the debt bondage is happening well this has been fuzz kiddo and may you have a slavery free day just to remind you that slavery unraveled is brought to you by the slavery free and if you want to know more actions you can take about the things that you've heard get more information and be more informed and also to donate to the work of be slavery free then you can do that on be slavery free.com that is be slavery free and we look forward to uh, having you back in the next podcasts and the series that we are doing.